building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be, we may not be found naked. For a while we are still in this tent. We groan, being burdened. Not that we would be uncloated, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are awake from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body at home with the Lord. So whatever we are, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. It is so good to be with you this morning here, and to all of you who are visiting us from out of town, visiting family in town, welcome. Thank you for coming into church this morning on this eve of the new year and and joining us for worship. We've been doing a series this Advent, this Christmas, called Age of Gold. You see that on the front of your bulletin, and what we've been looking at is how Christmas time awakens our longings for heaven. And you may not have quite put it into those sorts of words exactly, but I think most of us will agree that Christmas comes with a certain weight to it, a certain level of expectations that are almost drawn out of you as much as you may try to be cynical or resist. You find yourself longing for things, and then they're just not quite what you were expecting them to be or hoping them to be. Often Christmas is a joyful experience, but it is matched with a level of of pain, a mix of joy and heartache. And so this morning we're looking at this passage in 2 Corinthians regarding the new body that Christians will have in heaven. This is a uniquely Christian hope and probably something of an interesting sermon topic as it's not something we tend to spend a lot of time on in a church context. But it's relevant to this series because often when the scriptures speak of heaven, they speak in the context of receiving a new body, of having a resurrected body like Christ, a heavenly dwelling, as you heard this morning. And so we find the promise again and again in the scriptures of a new body. And it is uh, no doubt culturally observant as well to speak about this on the day, the eve of the new year, when so many of us have resolved and are resolving habits for our own new bodies. Well, the reality is we have the earthly bodies, and we'll speak more to that in a moment, but Christians in their faith have something even more, the hope of a new body in Christ, and that's what I want to have us look at this morning. Let's begin with prayer. 
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ways in which it comforts us. We thank you for the ways in which it challenges us. An outside source of wisdom, helping us see reality as you see it, helping us walk in your light. I pray that there would be grace here this morning in this word, such a sensitive topic. Our bodies, Lord, so loved, so cherished, so burdensome, so discouraging at times. I pray that we would rejoice in the hope that we have in you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, as a young boy, I normally sported a buzz cut, which revealed two cowlicks on the front of my head that are still there, just the hair's grown out more now. And uh, so often with a buzz cut, as a young kid, I would look in the mirror and just see these two cowlicks there, kind of looked like two horns or two tubes coming out of the front of my head, these little whorls of hair. And I resented them. I would grab a comb, and even at a young age, and like pound it with water and try to slick it down to make it disappear. But th there they were. I could do nothing about them. Well, one warm southern afternoon, I took a bike over to my friend Trevor's house. And when I walked in the door, my friend Trevor's mom said, you're going to have to go in and see what Trevor did this morning. So I went back to his room and saw him and saw that he had taken a pair of scissors that morning and tried to cut out two cowlicks in, his, in the front of his hair. Turns out Trevor was always a little bit envious of my hairdo and wanted to imitate me. And I was aghast that he would want this after I had spent so much time trying to remove it. It's a goofy memory to think about. It's a little funny to think about the two mirrors that are involved in this story. In one mirror at my house, there's a little boy looking into it, trying to alter his hair, trying to fix it, and finding no relief. On the other hand, there's a second mirror at my friend's house where he is picking up a pair of scissors and attempting to cut into his hair the very thing I'm trying to get rid of down the street. And both mirrors show an opposite story, but they tell the same story at the same time. It's two boys who wanted their bodies to be different than they were. One wants the hairdo gone, one wants the hairdo on. And the two boys are not at peace with their bodies. It's a light story about hair, one of the most surface level things about us and our bodies. But I wonder this morning how many other mirrors in our homes, despite a different actor, a different problem, a different age, a different gender, a different frame, the actor is different, but the mirror is telling the same story. Why can't I just like my body? What would it take for me to like my body? to be at peace at what I'm looking at before me. Here's the way we heard it in the scriptures this morning. Verse 2, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. In verse 4, while we are in this tent, we 
groan being burdened. It's a groaning. And this groaning of the body is hardly limited to external features that show up in the mirror, as we well know. The groaning of our bodies comes from an inadequacy, fatigue, sickness, frustrations with not being at our best or feeling at our best. can come from irritations, which is a light way of saying serious things, handicaps, physical handicaps, hormone and chemical imbalances, the the effects of aging. The groaning can come from illness, chronic illness, debilitating illness, terminal illnesses. And for as many different bodies as we have in the room this morning, we just have that many different perspectives on the body, different desires regarding the body. But, but what we all have in common is this. It's what the scriptures are telling us this morning. We already know it. Our bodies are a depreciating asset. They're not going up. They're going down. The Bible describes it as a tent. A tent does not appreciate in value. Rather, it is getting more worn down and worn out with use. So what are we to do about this? When the Bible says what we're already thinking, We're wearing down and wearing out and longing intrinsically to shed the inadequacies, the illnesses, the frustrations, the things over which we groan and long to be fixed. Where does this longing lead? This morning, I want to show that our longings for a new body are a pathway that leads us to God now. One of the promises that we have of God is that all who are in Christ, who have had faith in Christ, will one day be as he is in a resurrected new body. So here's the burden for the passage this morning. I forgot to get it on the slides this morning, but just this is, this is the burden I think that this scripture is speaking to us. Trust God for the body you're longing for. And you'll make peace with the body you have. When you trust God for the body you're longing for, the fruit of that is finally a sustained peace with the body that you have. These longings for a new body, for better health, for a better state of living, would be crippling and are crippling if they are not assured in our faith that God has prepared, not by human hands, but a new body for us. So I say again, as we trust God for the body we're longing for, there can be a definitive, triumphant peace with the body we have, even as we continue to groan in this tent. So looking at this passage, I just want to have underscore two things that are here, two different bodies that are emphasized in this passage. The first is the body we have. I want to look at the body we have as it's described here, and then I want to speak to the body that we long for. Let's begin with the body that we have. We begin where this text begins in, second, uh, in this chapter here. I just want to say two things about the body we have, just speaking 
about the body we currently have, I see two descriptions coming out of this passage. One is a dissonant body. We have a dissonant body. By that, I mean a lack of harmony. It's disagreeable to what we want often. The second thing is we have a deathly body. Scriptures say mortal. So these are heavy. These are not cheerful. This is how it's described here, a dissonant body and a deathly body. These are things you already know. You already live out. Some of us live this out every hour, feeling the the effects of these things. The Bible takes it as a statement of fact, first looking at the dissonant body. The Bible takes it as a statement of fact that we will feel a source, a sense of dissonance or disagreement, a lack of harmony between ourselves and our bodies. As we just heard, read, and I said it again, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. This creates, creates automatic tension. You're saying that what I have right now is a tent, it's just transient, there's something prepared for by God, and then later in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. More tension, as what I'm in currently, right now, is not what I'm actually longing for. I'm longing for something beyond me. And most of us, this type of groaning, this dissonance that we feel with our bodies is is the first experience of every day. Waking up too late and yet still feeling groggy. Maybe you glance down at the scale in your bathroom and decide whether you're going to step on it or not. Looking into the mirror and then beginning to plan how all the inadequacies that you're viewing at yourself and all the the illnesses, the irritations will be masked or managed for the next 12 hours. That's a lack of harmony between you and your body. That's dissonance. Your body, while being you, is yet not with you. It is like against you. It is something to be managed or controlled or fixed or seek healing for. It's time-consuming. And this groaning occurs throughout our lives. Everything from toothaches to migraines, preventing us from our work. Long seasons of weariness, throwing us off track. A lack of energy to fully experience the the present life we're in now. A, A mind that's too distracted to have heard that important thing from someone we love. An illness that we labor to not let define our lives, and yet it continues and continues to lay the framework of how we orchestrate our days and our calendars. And we could go on and on. This is dissonance with our own bodies. This is groaning. And Jesus understood this, I think, when he said, kindly but firmly, to his disciples when they went with him to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He asked them to pray with him, and he went off to pray and found them asleep when he came back. And he said, watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. It's dissonance. Don't you feel that longing in your spirit for, for, for what you're longing for? You feel that there, but the, the flesh, that dissonance, is not, why is it not keeping pace? Why is it not in lockstep? Jesus asked me to pray. Why do I keep falling asleep? I want to do it. It's dark. I'm tired. It's dissonance. It's groaning. It's the groaning of a tent to be a building. It's the groaning of a tent to be transformed to a heavenly dwelling. And this is just so utterly human. 
to be striving within the constraints of our own bodies. It's like the fish that's in water and says, what's water? It's, that's what it is. It's just our lives from being a, a toddler to fumbling around to learning how to walk. There's, why is that not automatic to aging and all the effects? This is what it means to be human, to have a dissonant body, a lack of harmony in the body. That's the first thing I see about the body that we have now. Second thing is it is a deathly body. We have a deathly body. Our bodies are ever moving towards death. So it says in verse 4, while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. And then later, that what is mortal might be swallowed up by life. And it is right here that the scriptures call our bodies mortal, emphasizing that there is a limit to how much they will yield. That is the nature of our lives, that from birth to death, there is an aging, there is a decay, there is, it is defined by mortality. To borrow a phrase from Hemingway, the decay sets in gradually, then suddenly. So good, right? It's, it's, it's slow, it's slow, and then it's a sudden, sudden demise. And we experience our aging bodies. As we experience our aging bodies, we experience nostalgia for what they used to be capable of. We have to recognize our limits, and then on God's appointed day, we die. The Bible speaks plainly about this. In Isaiah 40, it says, all flesh is grass. Its beauty of, is like the flower of the field. Psalm 103, 14, a very comforting verse. The Lord knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. For as man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. The wind passes over it, and it is gone. Its place knows it no more. When I was younger, I would read these verses and just imagine, this is an exaggeration, right? (laughs) No, it is not. You and I have never spoken to an elder that we loved and heard this life has dragged on and on and on. No, it is the opposite. It is the opposite, and you know it is. Time is, is escaping through our fingers. It's like water running out of the faucet. Applied, felt, pulled down, gone, not to be recovered. And this is heavy. This is, this is discouraging. The scriptures speak to the glory of man as made in the image of God, of course, and yet we have to reckon with the dissonance and the deathliness of these earthly bodies. What then can we say to these two truths, these bodies that we have that are in such a state, such a state that you hardly need me to even stand up here and testify to it? Our own reading of this scripture verifies it enough. Well, let me draw out two approaches that I think we often strive for but are not not the right approach, and then we'll look at the body that we long for and how that's promised to us in Christ. I believe that first time, one of the first things we do often when we're faced with this earthly tent and longing to escape it or improve it is, is we kind of make an all-out war on our own bodies just to be at peace with them. We say, if, if I go hard enough on myself, if I do the work, if I eat the stuff, if I, if I will really watch myself, if I dig into the literature, then one day I will find peace with my body when I reach this certain checkpoint. 
It's an attitude of, yes, this may be a tent that's failing me now, but it can be molded into something greater. Won't be holding me back when I'm done with it. This is a striving, not altogether wrong, but it is ultimately a striving to escape the tent while on earth. We know from Scripture that all men and women have this longing to escape, and yet this is merely to conform a tent to our own hands into something that is more than what it is. And God's Word confronts us on this topic with contentment when we read that the house we receive is from God, not made with hands. It is not wrong to seek health and wellness within the body. Actually, the scriptures say the opposite. They say it's a value to seek health and wellness throughout the body. But we recognize the state of the body we have. These measures are fleeting, and they will never provide the peace that we are longing for because there is no way to escape a tent made with our own hands. That's one approach. Not wrong, but just when fully engaged in that way to seek peace within ourselves. It will not be found. The second is simply to reject the bodies we have. For some of us, the thought of, I'm going to master this body, it's like, that's not even on my radar. More of the, it's more of the mindset, I don't even want this body. I don't even like this body. I'm out on this. I don't care. And we resign ourselves to groaning and just trying to sort of eke out the life that we can. Now, I would contend that this will not work either. So after apathy soon sets in, what follows is resentment. And resentment breeds hostility towards God and others and ourselves. We cannot reject where we are right now. That is to forsake the value of our own lives. Look at the end of the scripture at verse 10. It says, we must all appear before the judgment of seed of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Your life matters. What you do in this tent matters. It's a value. Christ wants to see it done well by his power. And so to sort of say, this doesn't matter, this doesn't mean anything, this is worthless, I'm out on this, you cannot do that without simultaneously rejecting the value of what Christ has called you to in your life. We must make peace with our bodies somehow. How, how can we do such a thing? So many of us are trying for even different, defining peace differently, and yet it's the same struggle. Where is peace with my body? How do we move from, I don't like my body, to I'm both at peace with who I am, what I look like, what I'm capable of, I'm at peace with those things. It happens just like it does in the scriptures when we turn to God to trust for the body that we are longing for. This is the fruit, as it says, of all who walk by faith and not by sight. Let me turn now to the second body that this passage brings out, the body that we long for. Returning again to verse 4, while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. When we speak of the new body, 
the body that we're longing for, and I'm going to describe that a little more in just a moment, but when we, when we speak to this, we have to understand this key word here. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. When we speak of the new body, we are speaking to an existence that is both similar and exceeds our own. That, to borrow language of, a, of an author, exceeds and embraces our own. Often the, the view of, of the afterlife or of heaven is something that we kind of like fade into the spiritual state or that finally the evil physical can be shed. But the Bible refutes that here by saying not that we would be unclothed or less of what God created us as, but that we would be more so further clothed. That's the comparison of a tent to a building, both a shelter, one so much more of a shelter, incomparably more of a shelter. And so while we're longing to, to cast off this body in some ways and, and to be rid of it, the real longing is for it to be what it was truly meant to be. Not a mortality, not a half-life, not a trickling away life, an, an eroding life, but, but life, mortality swallowed up in life, a reality that both embraces and exceeds our own. We do, we do not know what new bodies in heaven will look like. We do not know the height. We do not know the age. We do not know the frame. I was reading this week that it was common in the early church to believe that 30 was the peak age, so everyone would be 30 in heaven. Well, I'm 31. I'm not sure 30 is the peak age anymore, so maybe it will move around for me. But this is a little bit of conjecture. It is important to bear in mind what we have now and, and add even more so to that, as I have said, a tent to a building. But we don't know the height. We don't know the ages. We don't know the frame. It's completely beyond our context from the body we have now. And yet, the body does give us, the Bible, the Bible does give us some descriptions of the body, most succinctly in Philippians 3, verses 20 through 21, when he says, looking again ahead to heaven, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body, even by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. A lowly body to a glorious body. Jesus makes new bodies happen. And so we see, we can pick up from the body we're longing for. We want to get beyond those surface-level things and recognize that when we're younger, those surface-level things are so important. But as we age, so much time is simply spent in maintenance. And that's when a real groaning kicks in. But we see here in 2 Corinthians 5, this is a solid building, guaranteed by God, immovable, a safe abode, kept in heaven, in, in which we will be with God himself for all eternity, a dwelling in heaven that does not wear down or wear out or become encumbered by anything. And this is a promise of a body which prompts the apostle writing this to say, so we are of good courage. He says it twice. This good courage, this confidence, maybe not something we associate with our bodies like super confidence here. But this is the confidence, the boldness in the body that comes from one who has trusted in God for the body they are longing for. 
and are by then able to make peace with the one that they have now. In in other words, this this longing for a body becomes a, a cry straight to God that authenticates the very, the very God who has promised to meet that need. He has intervened. We say, so how, how can this be so? How can I trust that God has guaranteed this? It's in his spirit. This is so because we have never seen otherwise from God. Jesus Christ manifested this for us. He made it so. If you consider the ministry of Christ, you will never find a time when he is not trying to give people the body they are longing for. He cured the sick. He made lame to walk. He cleansed lepers' skin. He gave sight to the blind. This much and more so he did all the time. And everywhere he walked, he saw people groaning in their earthly tents, people who needed their bodies fixed or replaced or healed. And this is reality embraced. Christ in the incarnation taking on flesh and walking among us. As it says in 1 John, that which was in the beginning, Christ, which we have heard. Now we're in the incarnation. He's on earth. We we heard him. We have seen him with our eyes. We've looked upon him and touched him with our hands. The life was made manifest and we testify it to you and proclaim eternal life. Reality embraced and then exceeded. This was all all Christ's ministry on earth, the marvelous signs and wonders and healings he did. This was to patch earthly tents. For those men and women he healed eventually died. But Christ did set aside his earthly ministry to secure a new body for all who would believe in him when he died on the cross. That is our belief. That is our testimony. That is our gospel. That the belief in Christ brings us into union with him. His death becomes our death. It is as though we have already died. Death is beaten and our life becomes his life, the resurrected life. The one who by the power, who has the power to subject all things to himself can subject even a lowly body, a dismal body, a hurting body, to be like his glorious body. This is the proclamation, eternal life. And this is all by faith. For even in Christ's ministry, we know as we read the scriptures that it was by faith that people were healed. For he says again and again, daughter, your faith has made you well. Be healed. Son, your faith has healed you. And now Christ has died in our place that we would not see dissonance and death as the end of our bodies, but that we would see what is mortal, all we've ever known, embraced and exceeded as it's swallowed up by life. Jesus makes new bodies happen. And it is by faith that we have that assurance and we, we get below the surface level things about our bodies, the things our, our, our screens show us what our bodies should look like, or hurtful things that people have said in the past, pains, insecurities, chronic illnesses, debilitating illnesses. These are all hard. We all kind of find our own ways to cope with this. 
But often the coping is just striving to fix what's this tent we have in front of us. And I I wonder if you knew in Christ, if you were, as it says in the scriptures, I'm walking by faith, not by sight, not what I see in my mirror, but by faith in what Christ has done for me, knowing that the body you long for will be given to you, that Christ is longing to give that to you, that he has assured and guaranteed that, would you not now be able to trust him and rest in the tent that he has supplied for this short time with its limited capabilities. Oh, to trust God for what we're longing for and not continue to think about how we might get it or we might go after it, but that we would ultimately trust him and and, and trace our longings to him as we make peace and walk in what we have now. It is so common in this this world that the, the the, the sense is this tent is all I have. Salvage this tent. Make, make it the best it can be. Make it after your own image, your own lifestyle. It's all you have, so own it. And so to say, I'm just at peace with who I am because I'm trusting God that he'll give it to me, it, it's, it sounds like crazy talk. It sounds like a total gamble. It's not. The groaning, it, it must be attended to. C.S. Lewis wrote that, that our, our pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, he says. He shouts in our pain. The groanings of this earthly tent are meant to be a heart cry to direct us to God. We cannot, the whispers of pleasure, the fleeting impressions of this tent, they, they, they will not overcome the megaphone of the pain that is meant to to send us to the Lord. We can take this pain, as the scriptures attest to, and see it for what it is. We have trouble in this world, so that is articulated here, and many of us could give testimonies to these first couple verses and how we relate to it, but that we, but I hope that we would seek the Lord and trust Him in the body that we're longing for, that we would finally find a level of peace with the one that we have now, and pray for us and close. Lord, you have given everything.